What a great ministry, right? As you know, I myself was adopted, so I did my best to not cry along with you, Carla. Wow, what a great ministry. And just so you know, these tables up here are not for the kids so they don't fall in. They're so I don't fall in, because I'm a roamer, as you know, and I want to keep peeking in there too, so good. Well, today should be easy. We're going through the Ten Commandments, and uh, today should be an easy one for us as we go through the commandments. Of all the Ten Commandments to follow, this one should be easy. I've never killed anyone or murdered anyone. And, uh, you know, murderers are the bad guys. And typically at church, we're the good guys. Any murderers in here? Okay, we're all the good guys. So today should be easy. We're going to talk about you shall not murder. And, I mean, for most of us, when we go through the Ten Commandments, we kind of, our hearts kind of read through them. We kind of go, okay, you know. Ooh, do not steal. Okay, I've done that. How many of you, has anybody ever here lied before? Raise your hand. Those who aren't are lying right now. So this is, that's an easy one, right? You go through the list and you just go, okay, I've, I've lied before. I've coveted before. I've done these things. And we've talked about some of the ones that sometimes don't make sense, like make idols. Well, I don't make idols. But as we went through that, we realized, oh, we all, our hearts are idol makers, factories. But murder, there's no murders in here. So this, this should be easy as we go through this. So I feel pretty good about this one. But the one word I said was, should be easy. This should be easy, but it will not be easy. Because we will soon find out that we are all guilty. Of the one that we should just be like, oh, that one's easy. Just memorize that one. That's an easy verse to memorize and go on to the next one. We will soon find out we were all guilty. Even though you might be 100% murder-free, we all still have a murder problem in our hearts. And what's beautiful about this one, just such a short verse, you shall not murder. This one that we want to just cast off and go, that one, that is the easy one for me. This one will drive us to Jesus. As every commandment should. Again, as we go through this, the Ten Commandments help us turn to Jesus as we see our sin. It helps us love God and love others. So that which should be easy, today there's going to be a part of the service where you will feel bad. Churches that make you always feel good and light and fluffy, don't go to those churches. Because we should be confronted with our sins often. Amen? Anyone say amen to that, right? So we should feel bad, comma. But we should also then turn to Jesus, who is full of grace and mercy. Amen? Now everyone say that one loud. Amen? Amen. So let's pray before we get into our sermon this morning. Father God, I thank You so much that it is because of Your great love. God, You are just. We all deserve eternal punishment. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, adopted us. Brought us into Your family. We are heirs to the throne. How could we not worship You forever? Lord, I ask that this morning, even though we go through this simple verse, which seems pretty easy just to kind of read and go, okay, next one. 
Let us pause. Let us look deep into our hearts. And I pray that your spirit allows to put a mirror to our hearts so we would see how bad we are. And we need your grace. So we, at that moment, when we see the wickedness of our hearts, may we cast our hearts upon your redeeming grace. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are going through the Ten Commandments this summer. And as we do this, we are kind of breaking this, each of the sermons up into three parts. We are first looking at the Old Testament background. And Luke does his little thing where he travels over here. and he, We're looking at the Old Testament background and try to understand a little bit more what's the surrounding nature and story and situation of this particular law. Not just with the Israelites at the foot of Sinai, the mountain there, but also just to the historical background of the Old Testament. Then we are then transferring then into the New Testament where we look at how does the New Testament take this Old Testament commandment and often, as we'll see from here on, Jesus transforms it. A lot of these are then mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. He transforms it. And then we will also then be looking at how to follow this commandment today. And as we've started each of these, it's so important. Often when you look at commandments, you forget the beginning of it, the foundation. The foundation of all the commandments in Scripture is grace. That's why every Sunday we're singing Amazing Grace at the end to remind us we are to follow God, obey His commandments, not just because we have to be little robots, but it's because He saved us already. And we do this out of love. So if you take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Again, the Ten Commandments are found in two locations, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Exodus 20, we've been going through these. And in the Hebrew, it's two little words. Lo rasa is the way you can say it. The Hebrew letter at the end is ha at the end. For us, it says this, the sixth commandment. And again, we also have cards in the back. We've printed the commandments for you on one side. And then for the little kids, we've got kind of a summary because some of the commandments are long for you to memorize. I encourage you to grab a card. Memorize the Ten Commandments. Here we go, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Murder. I kind of want to have my whole sermon like that, but I won't do that. What does murder mean? So let's look at the Old Testament here. What does murder mean? Not all killing is wrong. Let me just say that. Not all killing is wrong. Let me give you a few examples. i got some pictures up here. All of you, hopefully, if you've lived in Wisconsin long enough, you have killed a mosquito, right? How many of you killed a mosquito even this week, right? Okay. Oh, chainsaw and a mosquito on my neck. Oh, you know, no, let the chainsaw down first. Not, you know, okay, right, safe. We've all killed mosquitoes, okay? We've killed mosquitoes. Here's, I'm going to follow the pictures. What's the next picture? I have killed a deer. Those are tenderloins wrapped in bacon on the grill. How many of you like, does that look good, right? Okay. How many of you killed a deer before, right? Okay. Look at the girls down here. All right, yeah. I've killed. This isn't saying killing is wrong. I've also killed a fish. Right now, Harry's your hands smell like fish? Mine do from last night. I killed a fish last night. Here's Grace. We got a bluegill. How many like fishing? 
How many of you like killing fish to eat them? Right? Okay, yeah, I love it. Okay. There's other ways we can kill. For instance, here's a picture of a game. The next picture, I think, is up here. Maybe not. Is there another picture? No. Okay, well, there was a picture of a board game. I was playing a game with my daughter, Grace, Stratego. Anybody play that old game? It's a fun game where you got different opponents and you're fighting against different opponents. And I was just wiping out, killing her opponents. She was trying to get to my flag. No way. No way. And as we're playing the game, I'm killing number nine, number ten, the big powerful ones. Like, yeah, I'm going to win for sure. And also I'm playing the game, also I kill number ten again. Like, Grace, here was my line, I already killed that guy. She goes, I know, but I gave him CPR and put him back in the game. (laughs) This verse is not saying you cannot kill. A misunderstanding comes from the King James Version, an older version, where they said you shall not kill. It's important to know that this word here is not kill, but murder, which is intentional killing. So the Hebrew word here shows up 47 times in the Old Testament. And when it shows up in the context, it's often, in fact, almost all of it is premeditated murder or murder that is out of hatred. Hatred kind of begins and broods in with someone's heart and then it leads to actions and it leads to murder. It's also used, this word in the Old Testament, used to accidentally causing another person's death. And as I read through all these passages, looking at it, it's never applied to killing in war. In fact, here's a couple definitions. If you've got an ESV study Bible, remember I've asked you, get a study Bible. The NLT, the NIV, and the ESV study Bibles are awesome. Get one of those. Here's notes from the ESV footnote. The Hebrew word, also covers causing human death through carelessness or negligence. Or another dictionary, it's the New International Dictionary of Old Testament words here, it says, the taking of a life outside the parameters laid down by God as, the, in, as in the case of war or capital punishment. This verse should not be used to oppose capital punishment, killing in a war, a just war, killing of animals, for food, to stop disease, or for hunting. In fact, I was going to have a handout in your bulletins to talk about some of these harder issues that pertain to this, capital punishment, euthanasia, and I was drafting. I want it to be right, so next week I'll have that for you because sometimes we wonder, what about capital punishment? What about euthanasia, abortion? What about those things? So I'm working on that, and I'll have that for you next week. So why is this commandment even given? You shall not murder Why, here it gets down to the point, why is life so precious that murder is so wrong? You got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. It will be on the screen for you here. Why is this commandment given? Why is life so precious? Again, I think this is so important. If people in America, if lawmakers in America understood this verse, I think things would change for us as a society. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by a man shall his blood be shed. For, and the Hebrew word is 
key, which means why. You could almost say why. Why is this so important? Here it is. God made man in his own image. Murder is wrong because we were made in the image of God. And when someone takes the life of someone, it is also one of the greatest offenses because we represent him and murder is wrong. Anything we do to diminish or destroy the image of God in other people is offensive to God and something we should not do. God wills the protection of all human life. Life is sacred. With this word sacred comes from this word the sanctity of life. It's precious. It's holy. Sanctity, sacred comes from the word holy. Human life is holy because man, we, men and women, we bear the image of God. So here it is, plain and simple. Do not murder. That's the negative. The positive would be protect life. That's a summary of it. Don't murder. Protect life. Exodus, back to Exodus 20.13. Shall not murder. For many of us, this doesn't apply to us when we first read it. When we read this, we go, oh, we're not in danger of falling into this one. This one's an easy one. I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to break it. More we wonder, how could people even break this one? When we hear about different murders that happen, when we hear about different things, some of our hearts just like, how could someone be so wicked to do such a horrible thing? But at first reading, if there was ever a commandment we could skip over, oh, let's skip over this one. There's no murders in this room. We'd be tempted to do that. But today, this is one we will not pass over lightly. This, as we will see as we go to the New Testament, we need to look at the heart of the matter. Jesus takes this commandment and cuts to the heart of the issue at the Sermon on the Mount. So if you could take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. The New Testament clarifies God's intent on what the laws were about. And we went through a lot of that as we looked at Leviticus. Sometimes some of the harder, one of the harder books to read. The New Testament clarifies the meaning of the law and points to the law showing this is about Jesus. And Jesus then talks about the law in the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus says in this section does not replace the Torah. It doesn't replace the Old Testament commandments. Instead, Jesus is the truest example of the Torah, the law. And God's righteous standard was far higher than what the Pharisees were thinking about and how they lived. They, remember that big book I had a couple weeks ago? They added to the law and said, oh, this is, this is a fence around the law. And they try to even add more things. And what Jesus does is he's got six little contrasts in this section here. And in this contrast, he has this thing he said, you have heard it said. 
And when he says that, realize that he's talking to the Pharisees going, you know, you took God's law, and it might be just two words in the Hebrew language, and you have added so much around it that it's become man-made now almost. Then he says, but I tell you. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Then we'll jump to 24. You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Jump down to verse 24. First, go and be reconciled to them. I'm not going to read the whole section here. We'll get into a moment. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter here in the New Testament. Jesus is not correcting the intended purpose of the law, but He's changing the mistaken, the mistaken presumption of what they thought it was about and their interpretation of what these laws were meant to be. So Jesus says this, do not take the life of someone. Don't do it. If you will, you'll be in judgment. Beware. But, as we will see here, he goes further. He says, guess what? Even hatred. If you have hatred towards someone. Let's look at verse 22. But I tell you, if anyone who is with anger with his brother or sister, will be subject to judgment. So he just said anyone who murders, they'll be subject to judgment. Anyone who has anger or hatred in their heart, guess what? They will be subject to judgment also. So Jesus takes it further. If you have anger in your heart towards someone, you are like a murderer. How many of us are innocent in this? Let's see your hands. Didn't think so. We are all guilty. This is not just about murder. This is about anyone who hates his brother or sister or neighbor. They are guilty of breaking God's law by committing murder in your heart. And here we are all guilty. Jesus makes the one commandment that would be so easy to, for, for us to say, oh, this is easy, to make us say we are all guilty. None of us feel good about this commandment listen to first john chapter 3 verse 15 anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him anger is murder of the mind and murder in the heart anger is the issue who then can be innocent of reading the sixth commandment, none of us. So the New Testament calls it out. Every one of you, I'm going to try to point to every one of you, you are all bad. Period. None of us are innocent. But praise be to God. Amen. There is grace and mercy. So let's stick with this Matthew. I, I wanted to just turn to hundreds of passages, but we'll stick just this Matthew section. Following the commandment today. Of all the Ten Commandments, which seems to be the easiest one to keep, we find out it's the hardest one to keep. We all have anger. 
none of us are free from this one. I mean, thankfully, we live in an area where when we turn on the news, we don't hear about murder all the time. When I go to visit my mother-in-law in Chicagoland area, when the news is on, half of the news is shooting on this street, you know, murder on this street. I'm just like, wow. We don't deal with that often around here. Again, this is not really about violent acts. That's important. Don't commit heinous violent acts. This is really about the emotions and intentions of the heart. That which you would think about and brood upon and have boiling in your heart to do something against someone else, that's what this is about. Your heart attitude towards others. This is not just about wrong actions, but are wrong heart attitudes. If you turn to Romans chapter 1, we won't do that now, but if you look at Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 18 and following up to 3, you will find out none of us can say we have good hearts. We have all gone our own way. So how do we live in this commandment? Jesus takes this and cuts to the core. And I'm going to give you three examples of what to do with this. And Jesus brings this up in chapter 5 of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. First, we need to check our hearts so no damaging words come out. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the correct and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hellfire now mr t is not in trouble because he often would say i pity the fool not in trouble but let's look at this a little bit more jesus here deals with one of the most common problems then and today the expression of anger verbal insults don't give verbal insults to others. Scripture tells us, listen to these out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Reckless words pierce like a sword. All of you would raise your hand. You've been hurt by people with their words towards you. Reckless words pierce like a sword. For Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death. You've been married long enough, you know that. Not just because of your spouse, but because of you, right? Our words can be so dangerous. And Jesus gives two examples of reckless words. The Aramaic loan word, raka here, that he's using, is used often to be the word like, you idiot. You're an idiot. And the other one also is, Fool. This is the Greek word here used to insult someone. You're, you're a fool. Both carried the weight of this. You are a worthless, useless, per, youth, youth, sorry, not youthful, but you are worthless. You have no use in you at all. You are a worthless person. Jesus saying, never use words like that. Never use words to damage one who has value because they have been created in the image of God. 
Again, Old Testament, why is murder wrong? Because they have been created in the image of God. They have that. And your words can do damage to that. Jesus says you're accountable before God for the words you speak in anger. Check your hearts so no damaging words come out. Check your heart for wrong attitudes. The heart that is damaged often can damage other people. Anger, bitterness, resentment, envy, hatred, revenge. Deal with them before they get to your tongue. Deal with them before they get to your tongue. Anger that is not confessed grows. Don't let seeds of anger grow in your heart. They'll get out of control. And some of us, we're not good at that. There's a reason I don't have a garden out there. Dude, we got free land to do a garden, man. I would love to have a garden. I love green beans and sweet corn. But I can't control the weeds. I'm horrible at that. It would just be green infestation. Some of us cannot control the weeds of anger, resentment, envy, and darkness in our heart. Rip it out. Tear it out as soon as it begins. This past week was my 20th anniversary with my wife. And I was like, oh, till death to us part. Lord, give us 20 more years. And then it's another 20. Well, that's pretty old. All right, Lord, your plan. And I asked my wife if I could go through some of the photos we had at our wedding. And I said, could I, in front of everyone, take one of the professional photos we got, even got the sticker on the back here, and rip it up in front of everyone? No, don't do that. Those are our photos. Those are precious to us. That would offend me. You're damaging that image. Here's a photo of me and one of my friends. Never get that one back. I got her permission. She said, okay. Your words damage the image of that barrier that God has placed in front of you when you use angry words. And your words can damage and insult. Don't do that. Gratefully, you can never take away how God has designed you when you were born because you carry the image of God. But don't destroy that image bare in front of you. That was a picture of me and my friend, not my wife on that one. Whew, then I'd be really in trouble. If he would use words against me or I could use words against him, it would damage it. Don't do it. Check your heart. If anger begins, get rid of it right away. Turn to Jesus as you see your sin today, people. Turn to Jesus. Examine your heart and ask for forgiveness. Number two, secondly, we need to soften our hearts so that reconciliation comes out. And here Jesus looks at the next part. Chapter 5, verse 23-24. Uh, someone is offended by someone and then it gets out of control and people start damaging each other with their words and they get offended. Listen to this. It is never 
acceptable to offer a sacrifice to God, saying, God, here's my great sacrifice of worship. Here's my offering to you. While there still exists a broken relationship that can be reconciled. I know some of you have broken relationships and you've done your part and it cannot be reconciled. You've done all you can to mend that relationship. But if there is someone that you know of right now that you have been angry towards, that you've used words toward, maybe you're just about to use words, first find reconciliation. Before you raise your hands up and sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, when in your heart you have anger towards a brother and sister, leave the room, call and do what you can. That's a bold statement. But that's what Jesus is saying. Don't come and be all pretty in the outside when on the inside you have hatred and anger. Oh, the Pharisees, and he's cutting to them. They were prone to be like, look at my great act of righteousness. Look at how I can worship. Listen to 1 Samuel 15. Does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Seek reconciliation. If you know that you have hatred towards someone or anger towards someone, today, do not go to bed before you can do your part to begin that process. For some of you, it's been 10 years of animosity and anger. So it's not going to happen today and you hold hands and run around and pick up daisies and be all happy. Begin the process of reconciliation. And the only way you can soften your heart is when the Holy Spirit does His work. Turn to Jesus and see your sin. Seek reconciliation. When I was in college, my college roommate Chad, we had a great first year together. The second year was awesome. We were so opposite. I had the great mullet going on. He had the short hair. I listened to rock and roll music. He played the saxophone and jazz music. I never listened to that stuff before in my life, except for Rocky Balboa has it, one of the first movies. But so we were so different. But then we had so much in common. And one of those things that were in common was Heidi. Woo! We both liked Heidi. He liked her, and I liked her, and we kind of fought after her. Who could win her over? And it was just crazy. And after the end of that next year, the second year, we did not like each other anymore. And then at the end, we were like, what are we doing? We're letting a girl come between the two of us. What were we thinking? Then I made a little rule. Never let a girl come between you and your best friend. Until I met Amber, who was my best friend, then that made it all easy. We had to reconcile at the end. And then we became friends again. And then Heidi married one of our best friends, Kurt, and awesome, have a great time. Begin reconciliation today. You may not have tomorrow. Shortly after the graduation of college, Chad got stomach cancer and was gone. Praise the Lord, we sought reconciliation right away. Lastly and finally, we need to fill our hearts with love so love comes out. And Jesus in chapter 5, 25-26 talks about this problem and remedy. When there is relationship breakdown, resolve the matter in any way possible with a heart full of love. Don't 
come to your friend. Don't come to your neighbor with anger and hatred. First, fill your heart with love. And the best way to do that when someone has hurt you, violated you, or something, remember that God made them in His image. He's called you to love them. Jesus taught that hatred and anger are as destructive as murder. And they should have no part of a Christian's life. And our love should be characterized by mutual love and forgiveness for Him and loving others. When we are wronged by others, there's the natural tendency to go, oh, I'm going to get him back. Well, I'm not going to turn the other cheek. Oh, I'm going to get an eye for an eye. Jesus deals with this in this chapter. Instead of talking about them behind their back, calling up your buddy and going, hey, you know what so-and-so did, and you start bickering back and forth, that's as bad as murder people. Don't do that. Instead, love your enemies. Jesus said in verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When's the last time that you had someone who doesn't like you, who kind of hates you, who despises you, who you know is your biggest critic, when's the last time you just prayed for them and said, Lord, bless them today? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. So here's the summary. Love. Don't hate. Love. Don't hate. Protect. Don't take life. Protect life. Don't take it. Elderly, unborn, someone who's bad. Don't, don't take it. Love them. Hatred in the heart is just as bad as murder. We should not do harm, but always seek to help prosper and help benefit and help protect life in every way possible. And the basis of this commandment is that we should seek the good for all people. And God puts in our hearts love for others. We can't get our own love, but God gives us His love. And seek to benefit others, not harm them. And our heart attitude towards others is the key indication in how your walk with God is doing. So if you often get ticked off, if you often just boil over, if you often get mad at that one person, that could be a reflection of your walk with God. Spend more time looking at your own sin and how you have been forgiven and how quickly you'll forgive others, right? Forgive others. Turn to Jesus as we see that we are guilty of this. But He is the great healer. He provides the remedy for every murderer there is found in His grace. So let's continue on with the story of Timmy and the Ten Commandments. All right, kids, if you'd like to join me up front, you are more than welcome. We'll make sure to stay on the stairs, though, so you all want to come up right in front of me if you want to come. Yep, I'll give you a second. Quickly, quickly. 
All right. Once you get here, you just pop down. We're on chapter seven, okay? In Timmy's seven-year-old world, very few things seemed more exciting to him than going to see a movie on the big screen at the theater. There was something about watching a movie you had never seen come to life right before your eyes in a cold building with the smell of popcorn filling the air. This was an experience that was not very common for Timmy, which made it all the more exciting when it did happen. And on this particular Tuesday in July, the Daborskis planned a trip to their local theater. Because they were, you like popcorn? Oh, me too. Because they were going to the movies, their typical Tuesday evening plans were changed. Instead of Mrs. Taborski making their taco Tuesday meal, she cut up some summer sausage and cheese for everyone to munch on earlier than normal dinner time. For she insisted that popcorn was not a sufficient dinner. As soon as Mr. Taborski got home from work, showered off and changed, the Taborskis were off to Spice Lake Five, the local movie theater. They arrived about half an hour before the movie began, and it was a good thing they did. You see, in Spice Lake, on Tuesdays, are discounted at the movie theater, so a lot of families choose to go on that day. When they got there, Mrs. Taborski waited in line for tickets while Mr. Taborski headed straight for the popcorn line. All the Taborskis loved popcorn, but none loved it as much as Mr. Taborski, whose motto was, popcorn with a movie is like a dance that's extra groovy. Timmy didn't really know what that meant, but he was okay with it because what he did know is that he got to benefit from his dad's love of popcorn. Once the tickets were bought and the popcorn buckets were filled with extra butter and salt, of course, the Daborskis rushed to find a row of five seats all together. It took about five minutes for everyone to get settled in their seats, between Rosemary choosing who she wanted to sit by, the passing out of napkins, and the distribution of popcorn. But finally, everyone was sitting and settled and right in time for the official previews to start. And then the real movie began. Timmy looked down the row at his family with a big smile and then back up on the screen with excitement as the title flashed on the all-black screen, The Lion King. As the Taborskis watched, they took turns gasping, laughing, jumping, and of course, there were a couple times Rosemary whimpered. But Timmy didn't blame her, as there were some intense parts for him as well. Once the movie was over, the Taborskis stood up into the after-movie stretch, it seems everyone does at at the theater, leading up with both arms and ending with a yawn. After gathering all their items, which took another five minutes, they stopped by the bathroom and then loaded back up into the car. What did you guys think? Mr. Taborski asked when they were all buckled in. It was great. Thanks for taking us, Dad, Timmy replied. Jonathan agreed, and so did Rosemarie, but she added, but that bad lion was scary. He sure was, Mrs. Taborski agreed. You know, Mr. Taborski started thoughtfully, we always have family devotions on Tuesday night, and usually we study the next commandment. Originally, I thought we would pause in our commandment study and go through the movies at home pamphlet we got from church for our challenge to have faith discussions when we watch a movie, but I think we can combine the two. Estelle, would you look up Exodus 20.13? Mrs. Taborski took her phone and scrolled to Exodus 20.13, which read, You shall not murder. That's the shortest commandment yet, I think, said Jonathan. That's a verse I definitely think I can memorize. Yes, it's pretty short, Miss 
Mr. Taborski said, and a very important commandment to follow. Went on to talk about how Jesus transformed this commandment. He said that it wasn't just against God's command to kill someone unjustly, but it was against God's command to have anger that leads to hate in your heart towards others, specifically other members of God's family. Scar is a good warning of what disobeying this commandment leads to, Mr. Taborski continued. He was a jealous brother, which led to anger and hate, which then actually led to murder. We need to always be asking God to check our hearts and emotions towards others so that we can confess and repent from wrong feelings towards others. For even if we don't kill someone, hate in our hearts is as bad as murder. Wow, that's a big deal, Timmy said as he was trying to think through all that that meant. Everyone agreed. Mr. Taborski went on to explain that if Scar would have talked to his brother and allowed understanding and forgiveness to happen, he would have, had, he would have been much happier and better off. Living in sin may feel good in the moment, but it's never worth it, he said in conclusion to Scar's actions. Mr. Taborski asked Jonathan to finish their car ride with prayer and prompted him to ask God for help to obey him by filling us up with his love for others and to have eyes to see where we may need to make things right in our relationships. The whole Taborski clan agreed as they pulled into the driveway and said together, Amen. Okay, you can go back to your seat. 